Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. I want to welcome you back to the program again today and again thank you from the bottom of our hearts for uh, your faithful support. I thank you for the encouraging words and letters that you've written. Uh, we are reading them. We, we appreciate them and uh, the uh, hits you've given me on our public profile page of Lynn House Ministries on Facebook. Follow us there. Go there and like our page and uh, it'll give you also information concerning where we're going to be and different things like that. But we want to thank you for your faithfulness in uh, tuning in every week and uh, we, we certainly have also enjoyed meeting many of you in our travels as we've traveled uh, all over the nations uh, sharing the gospel and getting to meet some of you. It's just been a wonderful, marvelous thing. Uh, you can go to my website at lenhouse.com and it will tell you where we're going to be and we love to meet our audience. We love it when they show up and come and, and uh, we normally have time to be able to take a few moments to get to know you a little bit and so we thank you and appreciate that very much. Also want to say again that everything that we have aired, this has been a series that we've taught on Revelation that is well over a hundred and some programs that we've shot on the book of Revelation and we've done a chapter by chapter, almost verse by verse uh, exegesis of this particular uh, book of Revelation that you can go back on YouTube and watch at your leisure. You could also go to our iTunes and uh, our podcast there and uh, have it delivered straight to your smart device. There's also an RSS feed for that. Uh, we will soon be releasing the audio portion of this. If you'd like to order the CDs of it, uh, they should be available within a short time of having these programs aired because we are now coming through the final chapter of the book of Revelation. Let's get in the Word this morning. Thank you again for joining us, but I'm going to begin to read. Revelation 22 is where we're at. It says, And He showed me a pure river of water of life, clear as a crystal, proceeding out of the throne of God and of the Lamb. And in the midst of the street of it, on either side of the river, was there the tree of life, which bare twelve manner of fruits, and yielded her fruit every month. And the leaves of the tree were for the healing of the nations. And there shall be no more curse, but the throne of God and of the Lamb shall be in it, and His servants shall serve Him. And they shall, see, they, they shall see His face, and His name shall be in their foreheads. There shall be no night there, and they need no candle, neither light of the sun. For the Lord God giveth them light, and they shall reign forever and ever. Now, uh, before I get into the next segment of it, let me come back again and begin to, to share with you again uh, what I believe this is saying. Again, we are dealing with the book of Revelation that is a highly symbolic book. We have showed you, I believe, uh, over and over again how you use the Scriptures to interpret the Scriptures. The Bible will interpret itself. And in the last segment we shared with you how that everything Jesus did in His redemptive work, He did it in a garden. We talked about the river that flowed out of the Garden of Eden and we showed you how that uh, Adam had a garden, he turned it into a graveyard, and Jesus took a graveyard and he turned it into a garden. Adam destroyed what God had made uh, and left the rest of God and Jesus brought us back into the rest of God and redeemed us and put the curse in reverse. One of the things that I believe we're seeing as we come to the latter part of the book of Revelation is that we're seeing that all of the judgments and the catastrophes that came upon uh, these people are not some future thing. Somebody said, well, could it happen again? Well, the answer to that is no. And the reason it cannot happen is because God was keeping His end of the covenant bargain 
uh, of what He told the children of Israel in Deuteronomy 27 and 28, that all of these plagues and all of these judgments and all of these catastrophes will come upon you. And God gave them every opportunity uh, to come into His covenant of promise and to receive their Messiah. They rejected their Messiah. He gave them every opportunity. Jesus literally wept uh, in Matthew 23 when He said, O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you that killed the prophets, how oft I would have gathered you under my feathers as a hen doth gather her chicks, but you would not, therefore your house is left to you desolate. So the catastrophes, I'm sorry, the catastrophes and the judgments of Revelation, uh, the earlier part, are God keeping His end of the covenant bargain and giving them the curses that He had promised them. See, again, the book of Revelation is twofold. It is both the great and terrible day of the Lord. For the unbeliever and those not receiving God's promise, it was a terrible day. For, for the chosen and the redeemed, it was a great day because now this covenant with death is being disannulled, and this, this whole uh, uh, judgment that is associated with this old covenant, God is keeping His end of the covenant bargain. But once the temple is destroyed, which was the centerpiece of Judaism and the centerpiece of, of this old covenant animal sacrifice system, no longer is in power, then uh, where there is no law, the Scripture says that the law works wrath, but where there is no law, there is no transgression. Therefore, God is not angry with us in the future. We are living beyond the curse. The curse has been reversed in the person and work of Jesus Christ. Jesus has redeemed us. He's not going to. Redemption has been handed to us as a full package. We have received, you know, Scripture talks about that there was a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. Now, that's not this last time, somewhere out in the distant future, but He handed us a salvation and a redemption that you and I now enjoy, and I'm thankful for that. And out of that, we see out of the throne and out of the slain Lamb, there is a river that runs through it. The more you preach and the more you minister from the perspective of the finished work of Jesus, the more this river produces. The main thing that I'm after today is it says in the midst of the street of it and on either side. I love this because this tree of life is on both sides of the river. Somebody said, well, when I cross over, I'm going to eat from the tree of life. Let me tell you something. It's on both sides of the river. This tree seems to me as if if you in the midst of the street of it and on either side of the river was the tree of life. In other words, it seems to me like this tree is a product of the river. It flows out of the middle of it. And, 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 and so it just flows to the sides so that everything this tree touches, whoever will partake of this tree. And one of the things, again, I, I see is that this river is flowing out of a slain lamb. It's flowing out of a lamb. It's flowing out of the throne of God. And the more it flows out of this lamb, the more life it produces. Uh, and it produces a tree of life. Jesus, Adam had access to a tree of life, and he chose a tree of death. But Jesus chose a tree of death and He turned it into a tree of life so that this tree that we have access to is the finished work of the cross of Jesus Christ. Everything has to flow through the filter of the cross, and that's what makes this river so pure. If it doesn't flow through the filter of the cross, it's probably polluted water. But when you drink of it, it produces this life. As I begin to think about this tree of life uh, that's on either side of the river, and then the, the, the next thing it says, that it bears twelve manner of fruits, and it yielded its fruit every month, and the leaves are for the healing of the nations. What that says to me is the valuableness 
of if we could, you know, people have asked us as we taught that some of them have been called and said, well, what, what do we have to look forward to? Uh, if a lot of this stuff is finished, well, what you don't have to look forward to is all of this horrific tribulation, mark of the beast, all this fear stuff that many preachers are coming has already happened. I already showed you how uh, under Nero the mark of the beast was, was when they came to burn incense to the statue of Nero at Agora. They would literally take the ashes from the sacrifice that burnt and mark their head or their hand and then they would give them a writing called a libellus to give them ability to buy or sell in the marketplace. And without this uh, mark and without this libellus they could not do business or buy or sell. It could literally be killed if they did not receive his mark. This is not something that's coming. John said in his one of his uh, epistles, he says, uh, little children, we know that it is the last time because Antichrist is already on the scene. That was 2,000 years ago. We are living beyond the curse, and what we ought to get excited about is what we have to look forward to is that God has a people in the earth that are a source and a part of this great river of God. I'm telling you, man, there is a river that's flowing out of your belly. If you believe on Him, Jesus said at the feast, if you believe on, if anyone is thirsty, this is what Jesus says at the feast. This is John 7, verse 37, 38. He said, on the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried out, said, if anyone's thirsty, let him come to me and drink. And he who believes on me, as the scripture has said, out of his heart or out of his belly shall flow rivers of living water. Now, I, I, he says that also to the woman at the well when he's talking about, I'm going to, you know, she comes to a well, she finds Jesus sitting on a well, and then she ultimately becomes a well. She went into the town and said, come see a man who told me everything. See, the great purpose we're going to find as we come to the end of this book is that this has ongoing effects throughout all of history. As we, you know, our future is determined by what we release and what we flow. See, I believe the nations of the earth are not going to find answers in the political system. They're not going to find answers in, in, in man's human reasoning. They're going to find answers because the church of Jesus Christ is going to begin to emerge as a river that's going to have some things that create a life. And, 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 and as you see that this tree gives some leaves that are for the healing of the nations. You know, I, I've got a few other places in my scripture where I, I had written down some things. Well, here, for instance, it says this in Ezekiel 47. It says, when I returned there, along the, this is for Ezekiel 47, verse 1 through 12. It says, when I returned there, along the bank of the river were very many trees on one side and the other. Then he said to me, this water flows toward the eastern region, goes down into the valley, and enters into the sea. When it reaches the sea, its waters are healed. I'm telling you, there is a river that makes glad the city of God. And that river is flowing, if you will, into a dead sea. And the moment this dead sea receives this water of light that's flowing from this finished work, it's going to cause life everywhere it touches. It says the waters will be healed. And it shall be that every living thing that moves wherever the river goes will live. Along the bank of the river and on this side and on that will grow all kinds of trees used for food and their leaves will not wither and their fruit will not fail. And they will bear fruit every month because their waters flow from the sanctuary and their fruit will be for food and their leaves for medicine. I love this. Hallelujah. Uh, I think that's just incredibly powerful that, 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 that uh, there is a tree that has the power to heal the nations again. 
You know, uh, one of the things that I think that he, he says at the very beginning of this book to the church at Ephesus, as he gives them this promises in Revelation 3, verse 12, he said, Him that overcomes, will I make him a pillar and a temple of my God? I'm sorry, that's not, that, that's not the right one. I'm, I'm quoting from the wrong one. In, in, in Revelation uh, chapter 3, to the church at Ephesus, he says this. He says, To him that overcometh, I will give him to eat of the tree of life that's in the midst of the paradise of God. And then we all of a sudden come all the way clear through to Revelation 22, and now he's having a tree of life that's in the midst of the paradise of God. Promise given, Revelation 3. Promise fulfilled, Revelation 22. He tells them in Revelation chapter 3, I believe it is verse 1, to the church at Ephesus. He says, listen, I know that you've tried them that say they're apostles and found them to be liars. And he said, you've worked and you've labored, you've labored and you've worked, and you did it for my namesake. And see, what he's addressing again in the first church there at Ephesus, just by way of review, is he's talking about the whole mistake that leadership has done to teach these people. These false apostles have taught the church at Ephesus. Works and labor, labor and works. And, and let me say this in fairness to them, because he says this almost as a compliment. He said, you did it for my name's sake. And I look at that and I think about, man, you know, my own history in, in, in uh, religion where I did it for his name's sake, work, labor, labor, and work. And what happened was, he says to that church, what has happened is, man, you have lost your first love. If you remember from whence thou art fallen, and go do the first works over. He says to that church, you've lost your first love. In other words, you have resorted to a rule-based relationship rather than a love-based relationship. You've lost that love and feeling. In other words, you've, you, 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 you've given yourself over to performance, and performance hadn't done anything except make you lose that love and feeling. And then he says to them, remember from whence thou art fallen, and do the first works over again. And then he goes on to say to him that overcomes, I'll give him the eat of the tree of life. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit said to me, I'm not reminding that church at Ephesus where they fell from last night or the week before last. He's saying, remember what caused the original fall was that you ate from the wrong tree, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, which I think finds its, uh, uh, I think that symbolism of that tree of the knowledge of good and evil is the law of the Mosaic system because the Bible says that the law brings the knowledge of sin. But the knowledge of good and evil can't change you. Only the Spirit of God can change you. Rules don't do the work. And so what happened was they ate from the wrong tree and uh, death was the result. That's why the end of the law is not life. It's called the law of sin and death because the end of the law is not life, it's death. That's why Jesus had to come and die. It was because that was the end of the law. Jesus completely fulfilled everything the law could make a demand on you. And when I begin to see uh, that that was the original fall, and he's saying to this church in Ephesus, if you will repent, uh, he said, I'll give you to eat. If you overcome, I'll give you to eat of the tree of life that's in the midst of the paradise of God. You'll feed from a different perspective. You'll feed from a different tree. Uh, I like to tell this story a lot. You know, I have a guy that traveled with me. He still does some. Uh, he's getting up in years now. But he came from an Italian mafia background. His dad was, a, uh, uh, was one of the first precedent-setting cases uh, of, uh, of a mob boss that was tried by Bobby Kennedy. Bobby Kennedy tried his dad. His dad was a precedent-setting case. And the Lord put this guy with me, and he traveled with me for many years, and he still travels with me uh, quite a bit. But uh, when the Lord first put him with me, this guy had come from a totally, he came from this uh, whole background of, uh, you know, a, uh, like I said, a world 
crime family. Here I am, I've come from a Christian family. And it was almost like, you know, uh, oil and water. It was like two different worlds. And God put this guy with me, told me to take him with me on the road. I thought maybe just one time, but he ended up traveling with me for 20-some years. And once again, I, he still does some with me. Uh, but the reality of it is, is as I, I was always trying to figure out, God, why did you put this guy with me? And uh, so uh, when we were, uh, one of the times that he was with me, uh, one of the pastors from uh, an Indian reservation in Canada asked him to share his testimony uh, with the people. And he got up to share his testimony with the people. As he began to share what God had brought him from, he began to how, share how God had delivered him from 300 a day in cocaine. Uh, how God had uh, delivered him from a fifth of whiskey night. He ran bars and he began to share all the, the you know, he said, I, I was doing 300 a day of cocaine, about a fifth of whiskey a night. And I mean, he said if it moved after midnight or after dark and it was done in darkness, he said we either controlled it or were part of it. And he began to share his testimony. As he began to share his testimony in that reservation, people begin to weep and cry and, and uh, begin to flood those altars, not because he was scaring them or that they was full of fear, but he was so speaking their language. Because that whole reservation that we were ministering on was riddled with substance abuse and spousal abuse. And he talked about how God had delivered him from uh, abusing his wife and the different things that God had so transformed this guy's life. It's an incredible story, and I probably ought to have him on the program sometime to just let him tell you his story. But uh, he, he'd come from such a, a background of, of all of the stuff that, uh, you know, I'm sitting here watching him share this testimony, and people are getting set free in this, this, uh, uh, in this conference. And I'm sitting here beside, uh, who was the other keynote speaker, he and I were in this meeting, and he was at that time the Archbishop of the International Communion of Charismatic Church. He and I are sitting there, and as he begins, as, as A.J. begins to share uh, his testimony, uh, the bishop and I began to realize, you know, this guy's doing more sharing his testimony than we could do in preaching. Sometimes I think people have to hear what God has done in their lives through somebody. They need to understand that God is a deliverer. If you're out there today and you're watching me, I don't care how deep or dark you've got, you know, uh, God's able to deliver you. But while he was speaking, I, all the years that I I had him traveling with me. I was trying to figure out his function. What is it? I, you know, after a while, it was evident to me that I was not mentoring him for ministry uh, and that he really was not, uh, you know, necessarily being trained by me to be a preacher because he didn't have a call of God to be on his life to be a preacher. And the Lord simply spoke to me sitting in that meeting while he's sharing his powerful testimony of the darkness and uh, uh, the depth of sin that he had lived in. And uh, the Lord said to me, I put him with you to show people the power of God to deliver, watch this, from the deepest, darkest depths of evil that's on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because when it came to evil, he had a PhD in it, I say. He, had, he personally had done it, hallelujah. He personally had done the evil. And uh, so God said, I've put him with you to show people everywhere the power of God to deliver. So if you've got a son, a daughter, a husband, a wife, a mother, a father out there in the depth of darkness, I want you to know there's hope. God is a deliverer. And as that man began to share his testimony, God began to blow through that place and people were set free, delivered, and set free from the power of the darkness that was there. But while he was sharing his testimony about all the darkness that God had delivered him from, he said, I put him with you to show people the power of God to deliver from the deepest, darkest depths of evil that's on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. 
He said, but I put you with him, sir. He said, I put you with him, Dr. Linhouse. And I knew when the Lord called me doctor, he wasn't impressed. And he said to me, I put you with him to show people, watch this, that I delivered you, sir. I delivered you, Dr. Linhouse, from the same tree that I delivered him from. Now listen, the same tree the Holy Spirit said to me. I said, what are you saying, Lord? He said, I delivered him from the evil that's on the tree. But I delivered you from the good that's on the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Because here's what we do in the American church. We preach, do the good, stay away from the evil, you'll be all right. But we still have people feeding from the wrong tree. And what it is is a performance base. And the, and, and the Holy Spirit said to me, listen, when you eat from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, what happens is, is that, that uh, you, you think your works and your labor and your good deeds are what saves you, and that's not what saves you. There's a completely different tree that we must feed people from. That tree stands on Golgotha. It's the finished work of Jesus, and there is a life that flows from this tree that will heal the nations of the earth. And sometimes I think it's easier to get people delivered from drugs than it is to get them delivered from religion. And we may have to start some religion rehabs and just let my friend run it. <laughs> the reality of it is, is that I thought because of my, you know, I, you know my friends were like, you know, uh, you know, bishop so-and-so, doctor this and that, and, you know, pastor somebody. His is like, you know, names like Tony the Torch, Dickie the Check, you know, or, and, uh, you know, Bobby the Button or whatever. And, uh, but mine, you know, were from the other side. But the Holy Spirit said, listen, man, uh, both sides of it. One may, see, there, you know, the good side of it is there's a way that seems right to a man. Then there are the ways of death. And so the, 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 the religion I was in was just as deadly except it was more deceptive than the evil. But when you climb down, I hear the Lord saying to somebody today, just like he did Zacchaeus, come down out of that tree, man. Zacchaeus climbed up into a, a, a sycamore tree, which was an inferior fig tree, and the fig tree was the leaves that Adam used to cover his nakedness uh, in the Garden of Eden. In other words, come down out of that inferior performance-based religious system and let Jesus abide at your house because when Jesus abides at your house, He changes everything. And so when I begin to see uh, this, I begin, you know, and I, I've noticed even in preaching the gospel of grace that a lot of people, it depends on where your heart's at when you hear this message, what you do with it. Let me say clearly, those of us preaching grace are not trying to give you something that gives you a license to sin. We're trying to point you to the only thing that will empower you not to. See, the deal is simply this. I've noticed people in the early days of preaching the grace message that climbed down out of the religious side of the tree of life and swung clear over here and got addicted to drugs or alcohol or substance abuse. And then I saw people coming out of the, the drugs and street and, and come back over here and get addicted by some performance religion. And still, all we did was we just swung back and forth like a bunch of monkeys in the wrong tree. And what we've done is we just changed which side of the tree we're, we're feeding on. And we're feeding from, and either side of it produces death. And all we've done is we traded one set of stress and problems for another set of stress and problems. See, what the gospel has to offer you is not something from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil that produces a death. I think the totality of that you see in its fulfillment with the Pharisees, scribes, and even as it comes to its end here in the book of Revelation, as God is deconstructing and destroying the old creation, all of this uh, cataclysmic, apocalyptic language is prophetic of God destroying an old creation, but He's giving birth to a new creation. 
If any man be in Christ, he's a new creature. Old things are passed away. And so what we have to offer the nations of the earth today is not uh, the tree just come down out of the evil side of the tree of the God of good and evil and eat the good. But we, what we have is we offer them a whole other tree. It's a life. But the gospel is not about a law you have to keep. It's about receiving a life that will keep you. And I'm so thankful that there are many that are joining this gospel revolution of being able to, uh, man, you know, receive a life. And so what happens is, is the journey gets sweet then. And I, I really begin to, to see that this is what the nations of the earth are hungry for. This river flowed through, and the Bible said everything it touched lives. See, I believe the real gospel, and that's why we're passionate about preaching, and those of you who have partnered with us to help us do that, you're helping this river flow, and wherever it flows, everything it touches lives. It produces a tree, and this tree uh, is for the healing of the nations. Uh, I, I think there's hope for the nations, but see, when we think of this as just being in heaven somewhere, somewhere out in the distant future, uh, then we miss the point of it being available to us right now. As a matter of fact, we're going to see him reiterate the same thing he's reiterated over and over again on down in this chapter. He'll say things like this, these things are about to shortly come to pass. This stuff is relevant to you right now and right here. And so, you know, I really think that what has to happen is we must begin to stop uh, bringing people to the wrong tree. We tell them, eat the good, stay away from the evil, you'll be all right. But the reality of it is we brought them to a performance-based religious system, and all we've done is trade religion for one. And you know what? I see the same thing happen over and over again. We just simply change sides. And those who got in religion and got in bondage to religion, uh, they're, they're getting free, or they think they're getting free, and they go over and get in bondage to substance abuse. And then I see folks getting free from substance abuse, and they're going over here and getting bondage to religion. Listen, who the sun sets free is free indeed. This tree is not just for the other side. This tree was on both sides of the river, and it flows out of a river, and there's a street in the middle of the river, and this street is simply, I believe, a walk that comes from what you're feeding on of the life and nature of God. You've been a blessing tuning in. I trust I'm making sense to you as we share these great truths with you. Uh, take a moment to call that number on the screen. Help us to take this river of God to the nations. It takes your support to, support to be able to do that. Uh, it takes your partnership. Maybe you could become a monthly partner with us or a one-time gift. Uh, whatever you're able to do, we appreciate it deeply. It helps us take the gospel around the world. There's hope for you today. There's hope for your family. If God could do it for my friend, He could do it for you. We trust Him. We believe Him. The power of God is the only thing that can save the nations of the earth. God bless you for being a part of that. For anyone struggling to understand John's writings in Revelation, this book provides true, biblically-based answers. Through detailed insights into the letters John wrote to the seven churches of his day, you will learn how to avoid the mistakes of the early church to overcome today's trials and tribulations. This book will provoke you to thought and dialogue, bringing greater clarity and revelation of Jesus Christ.